This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. If you will, go to the book of Ezra, our founding pastor's calling out of the book of Ezra. Go to the book of Ezra, and by time, for some of you, by the time I go through half this message, you'll find it. But we need to turn in our Bibles to the book of Ezra. Father, I thank you for each and every individual under the sound of my voice. I thank you, Lord God, for your leading, your guidance, and your word. Thank you, Lord God, for the anointing on this word and the power on this word to change the lives of your people. Father, I thank you that as we yield our vessels, yield our ears, yield our minds, yield our spirit to you, Lord God, teach us your ways, that we may walk according to your statutes and your laws, Father, that we can free ourselves of ourselves and give ourselves over to you, that you can lead, guide, and, guide and direct us by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before I start this in the book of Ezra, <clears throat> I want to make a few statements before we get into this series. I want you to fasten your seatbelts. We had our little laugh. We had our little fun. Now it's time to get down to the business of God. Because God's business is important. Now, we understand as a church that we said it last year and we're still in it. We're being prepared. Everybody say prepared. We understand that. And we under also understand that preparation always, everybody say always, goes before God is able to use you. Whenever he's going to do his next move, or if he's going to use you, there will be a time of preparation. Now for me to step into the pastorate, it was 33, 34 years of preparation. Now, for what he has us to do, it won't take that long <clears throat> because it's a different assignment. It's a different assignment. But there is a time of preparation. Now, we also understand that preparation takes time and preparation also takes discipline. Now, that's the most important thing. You must understand time and you must understand, understand discipline. Discipline must be a part of preparation. Is that understood? We have to learn. We've learned some things last year, and we're going to learn some new things this year. And we we learned last year before God needs next move or what He's going to do in your life. He's always going to have a time of preparation. It's not on your timing; it's on His timing. And when His timing is on, it doesn't matter how long you have, how long we're going to be in preparation. Well, the fact that you ask that need no, um, you need to understand. You still need to be prepared. Are you with me? So. <clears throat> What he's doing to us as individuals is getting us ready to be used. Getting ready that when he moves, we can be used. We've learned that everything that God is doing through us, doing to us, the, everything, is pre everything is prepared around his next move. Everything that he's doing right now in your life, with every message that's being preached, everything is preparing you for his move. And when he moves, he's going to need you to use you. So the preparation is sure. Listen, first of all, write this down. Preparation is a choice. Know that. First of all, preparation is a choice. Because if you don't want to go through the preparation, you can opt out. You can choose out. But preparation is a choice. You have to choose to prepare, and you need to understand this. If you don't choose to prepare, you won't be prepared for God to use you in his next move. If you choose not to be prepared, if you have, how do I choose not to be prepared? See, some people think that choosing not to be prepared means I say, God, no, I'm not going to do it. But no, when you put anything first other than the assignment, other than him being prepared, you're telling him, I choose not to be prepared. 
something may come up and God is telling you where he needs you to be and you're going to put that before him. You're saying, God, I'm choosing not to be prepared. So it's not in what you verbally say in as much as what you do. Are you with me? You must choose. You, If you don't choose to be prepared, you will not be used in this move of God. We must choose to live our lives. This is another part of preparation. In such a way that God can use us. And, to, to he, you know, we have to choose to be an example. Are you with me? We have to choose to live our lives in such a way that it, um, when people look at us, they see a standard. Did you hear me? People need to look at you and see a standard. I choose to live my life in a way that when people see me in my life, they see a standard. A standard of what? Of how their life ought to be. See, you live your life in such a way that they can look at you and say, that's how I need to live. That's how I need. That's a standard. You choose that. And you live that. I choose it. So certain things I don't do, not because it's sin. It might not even be sin. But because I have a standard, I don't go that route. So that someone else can look at me and say, you know what? If she can do it, I can do it. See, a lot of times we think, make sure that I do something, and, I mean, I want to make sure I'm not doing something wrong in front of them. It don't have to be sin, or I'm not doing something sinful. No, it's just, sometimes it's just something that God said, no, I want you with a different standard. So don't think on, I'm living my life to just make sure I'm staying away from sin. It might not even be sin, it just might be something that God said, no, I want you with a different standard. I want you with a different standard. And then you operate out of that standard. So that someone else... Remember, it's not about you. It's about you being a blessing to others. So I choose to put away certain things, whether... Well, certainly we choose to put away sin. But some things I just choose to just put away because it's just, you know, I set a standard. Are you with me? You know... Uh, give me an example, Sister Hill. For me, as, when, as a married woman, I don't have a night out with the girls. We go into, we just go into a bar and night out with a girl. Now, not necessarily sin, but I have a standard. What do, what do I want to look, you know, men, what are you going to have a night out with the boys for? Because if they're boys, I know what they're after. Boys and after nothing but foolishness. But when you set a standard, and you and you know what, and you might go out, you might never talk to a woman, you might not never do any of that. You just going out and just with your buddies. But is it a standard? Are you following? We are setting a standard that others can look at and want to live that way. Listen and note this. Preparation is the unseen work that produces seen results. I'll say it again. Preparation is the unseen work that produces seen results. You know, oftentimes we look at people and we comment on people. Like, for instance, uh, just using, for example, I like to use my family because I don't want to use yours because I don't want to get in no bondage. They see my sons or my sons and they say, oh, you know what, you look good. Oh, you, you know, you got muscles and, oh, you really look good now and, oh, you, oh, that, you know. But this is what you don't see. You don't see the time that he spends in the gym. See, unseen things. You don't see the time if, he, if he's eating right. You don't see the time that he spends on the elliptical or lifting weights or on the treadmill. You don't see it. All you see is that, whoa, you look, you're muscular. You, you know, what, what do they call it today? Um, swole or whatever. That's all you see. But you don't see the unseen work 
There is an unseen work that shows seen results. It looks like to you, it just happened one day. Like you just looked up one day and wow, he looked up one day. No, no, no. The unseen work. See, we do that all the time. We look at people in, in different ways, not only in that way, I just use that as an example, but in, in different ways, and we do, we do that. We want, you know, and oftentimes what we want, we want results without doing the unseen work. See, that's our problem. I want it to happen, and I did this happen now. I was talking to one of my trainer, and we was, he was doing something, and I said, I want this at this time, at this time. Uh, because he's like, well, yeah, that takes work. That takes time. You got to, you know, you're going to have to spend some time. See, we don't want to do the unseen work to get the results, but we want the results right away. I said preparation is the unseen work. Don't forget that. I'm giving you examples. I don't want you to get caught up in the examples. I want you to get caught up in the principle that I'm teaching. Preparation is an unseen work. Not something you're going to see with your eyes. We're not willing to do the unseen work. See, everybody wants to get in the game, but nobody wants to practice. Practice makes your game worthy, you see. But nobody wants to do that. I just want to get in. That's the way a lot of people, they go to the camps, a football camp, a baseball camp, a, uh, all these camps, and they just want to hop on and do it. You've been eating burgers, french fries, cheesecake, everything, all the, and all of a sudden, I don't know, I, I don't know, but I still got the skills. I can still do this, I can still do that. And then you find somebody come on there with the same deal, y'all going for the same position, and they come up against you that have done the unseen work, you will not get it. Because you won't be able to, you won't be able to last. They'll have endurance because they have done the unseen work and got the results. You're never going to get any results without doing the unseen work. Did you hear me? See, that's what we want. We want to do everything with no work involved. Look at somebody say it don't work that way. You're going to have to do some work. And nobody else will see it. But it's going to produce some seen results. Now in the book of Ezra here in chapter 7, go to chapter 7. I want to give us a little understanding, the background of what's going on in the book of Ezra. In the, well, the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah, they are companion books actually. They're both speaking at the, uh, the same period of time, and I know most of you have not even read Ezra or Nehemiah, but I'm still giving you the background because maybe you will after this. And they are companion books. And they're speaking in the same period where the city of Jerusalem was lying in waste and lying in ruin. It was the same period, the same time. And at this particular time, God was giving favor to men and women to go back and restore Jerusalem. So this, uh, wrap your head around it. This is the same period of time because we talked out of, we preached out of, and taught out of the book of Nehemiah, and we're talking about because we're wall building out of that same book. But well, Ezra is a companion book. Are you with me? At the same time God moved on Nehemiah, see, that's, that's the thing you have to understand. Because God moves on one person don't mean he's not moving on other people. You don't have it all. You're not, you know, you're not, let me tell you, there's only one person that came to the earth and finished the work by himself, and that was Jesus alone. Everybody else, we have assignments, and they're connected, but he's not dealing with just one. So if any ministry ever tell you, we got it all... And if you go anywhere else, you're in bondage. They're lying. Because God gives everybody their assignment to bring it all together. So in this particular time, God had moved on Nehemiah's heart to go back and build the walls of Jerusalem. At the same time, God was moving on the hearts of Ezra. The same time period. And Ezra's job was to restore worship 
in Jerusalem. Jeremiah was doing the wall, but he also needed someone to come in and restore the worship back in Jerusalem. So Nehemiah built the wall and Ezra restored the worship. See, if you know anything about life, this is a good example. If you know anything, you will understand this. You can get things right externally, meaning building the walls. But if internally it's not right, it's going to come crumbling down. So that's why God had to get the walls built up to Jerusalem. But he said, unless worship go on in there, they're going to be right back where they were. So it is with us. God is not only doing something to you externally, but it's internally. And that's what he's going to deal with you your hearts about today. The internal thing that's going to make you stand, going to stabilize you in his word. Stabilize you in the things of God. Stabilize you in your marriage, in your finances, in every area of your life. The principle that's being taught today will keep your life from crumbling. So, Nehemiah went back. He found favor to rebuild the walls. Ezra found favor to go back and restore worship in the temple. And, they, and, and so we're going to begin at uh, verse... We're in chapter 7. Let's begin at verse 6. This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a ready scribe. That's key. Everybody say a ready scribe. In the law of Moses which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord that was good upon him. Now, you know what? I just like that. Now, many of you, this is what you have to understand about our transition with our founding pastor going. If you have to find out if the hand of the Lord is good upon me. See, that's the that, that's it. See, Ezra, the hand of the Lord was good upon him. How, how so? Because he was able to do what the Lord asked him to do. Some of you have a problem with calling me pastor, thinking of me as pastor. Well, all you need to find out is, is the hand of the Lord good upon her? That's all you got to do. Then after that, it's between you and God. So, listen church, you have to be ready. Listen, I like this. I like that. Let me just say it again. A ready scribe. You know what that means? Listen to me. You have to be ready. Listen. Listen, this is key. You have to be ready before God needs you. You can't get ready once God needs you. You got to be, that's what preparation is. You gotta be prepared before he gets ready to use you. <laughs> See, a lot of us wanna do it after. Okay, God, now, now you nap him with No, no, no. You have to be a ready scribe. Now, why was he ready? Jump down to verse ten. It says, "For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, to do it." and to teach in Israel statutes and judgment. Now, that's the answer right there. That, that tells you everything you need to know about, about that. See, if you're going to teach others, you're going to do it by example. What did it say? For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. That was seen in him. And do it. <laughs> not just seek it, not just hear it, but he did it. And to teach in Israel the statutes and judgments. You have to make others see you as an example. But you're never going to be an example if you don't have the right heart. You go over and read the scriptures again. You have to have the right heart. The Bible said he prepared his heart. He prepared his heart to seek the Lord and to do it and to teach it in Israel, the statutes and the judgment. 
So God says, listen, if you're going to be used by me, the first thing that you're going to have to be prepared in is with the right heart. Now for the next several weeks in this year, I'm going to spend time on this subject. Preparation, the key to being used by God. Preparation, the key to being used by God. See, God is saying that we are, I said, God, when God gave this to me, it was in the time that I was taking a little time off to hear from God. And I said, okay, God, I'm ready. God said, no, not now. And I'm like, well, God, I know you gave me this, so I need to go on and just tell them. They need to know this. God's like, no, they're not. Just relax, because I'm still giving you things. And I'm like, okay, oh, I really want to give this to them. God's like, no, just and then he told me one day, I said, God, now you gave this to me. Why can't I just go on? Because, see, now as, as pastor here, at any time, whenever I want to get up here and teach, I can. I can stop any minister in the midst of it or say, you can teach next Sunday. I can get up there. God said, no. When your time, when it's time for you to teach it, you will. And then so he told me, and, I, and I'm still bugging him. You can bug God. Thank, but make sure you have a relationship with him. Because he'll put up with you when you bug him and you have a relationship with him. Don't bug him. If you, only time you can bug him and you don't have a relationship with him, just bug him that you need to get saved. But don't, uh, don't go bugging him. And so he said, Alva, the reason why you're not teaching it right now is because if you would teach it at the time that you want to, it would fall on deaf ears. So I said, so you're telling me, God, that all the messages that they're they're getting before I get back up, he said, that's right, it was preparing them, that the ones now, their ears are clear to hear it. See, a lot of times we just want to jump up when God gives us something and we want to do it. And God said, no. You know, know, every word that you would teach would be true. But if it falls on deaf ears, what does it profit? What does it profit if they don't understand it and don't get it? So I got it. Amen. So God is showing us right here and right now that it's time for us. We're ready to hear this word. We're ready to get it right. Are you, are you with me? Now, there are steps that we need to go through as a church, individually, collectively, that we must go through before God can teach us his will. What is your will for the church, God? God say it's steps you have to go to so that you can be able to execute. We always want to execute when God gives us something. So I want to assure, so for me as pastor, I want to assure that this church's heart is prepared to be used. I must make assured of that. And, I'm, and the only way that I can assure it is to give you truth and give you what the Lord said. So many people can say, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to be used. I'm ready for God to take me where he wants, to take us to a place and I'm ready. I'm ready to wall build. I'm ready to get up on the wall. I'm ready to do all of that. But if your heart is not ready, so you can be ready to do all of that, and, and surely you're ready. But is your heart ready? If you're not ready on the inside, you're not ready. If we as a church are not ready on the inside. See, a lot of us, we haven't done a lot of inside work. The unseen work. See, the preparation, the unseen work. And we're not going to get the seen results that God requires. Because you're not willing to do the unseen work. Preparation is the unseen work. And we want to see the results that God desires, not ours. So we have to make sure that our hearts are ready to be involved in the work of restoration. Because what are we doing? We're restoring this generation. So God said, if your heart's going to be, you've got to make sure your heart is right. If we want to be ready to establish this church, our hearts have to be ready to be right. 
If we want to leave resources for the next generation in this earth for future generations, our hearts must be right. Our hearts. If we want to make sure that this church have generational success, our hearts must be right. See, you need to couple this teaching with kindness. Because your heart has to be right. Oh, I can see it. I can see everything that God said now. I couldn't see it when everybody was teaching, when he said, hold it, hold it, hold it. But I see where it is now. When you teach it, you can see it. He just opens it up. you be like, oh, yeah, your heart has to be right. We're going to find out if your heart is right today. We want to make sure that we're in a place that will not fail. See, I'm not concerned about numbers as much as I'm concerned about your heart. Because when we have the right heart, God is going to do what we need. A lot of times, God, we hold God off because we're not where we need to be. It's not going to stop Him ever. But why you make the pace slow? Because you won't be right. Because your heart is not right. So, we need to make sure that our heart is right. We need to make sure that this church become an institution for, and to care for the hurting, to care for the wounded. See, we got we to gotta get outside of ourselves. When I'm going to glory, this is what I want to establish here, is that this institution, this church, will go on. That's what our founding pastor did. He wanted to make sure that this church would go on. That's why it's still going on, because he set things in place that it can go on. So God is dealing with our hearts. He's preparing us to make, you make sure that resources that we need are in the church for the generation to come. He said, listen, I am dealing with your heart so you can get an understanding. Now, I have an intent for this series of teaching. Because I might teach this for two months, three months. I don't know. But as whatever God said, we're going to do it. But right now, he, we got, it's a lot of things that we have to deal with. My intent is to challenge our heart condition. That's the intentions of this teaching. Church, if our hearts are not right, we will not be prepared. If your heart is not right about your own life, you will not be prepared. If your heart is not right about your children, you won't be prepared for them, your children. If your heart is not right about your marriage, you won't be prepared for the things that will come in your marriage. If your heart is not right, you will not be prepared. Know that. If your heart is not right about your health, you won't be prepared to live better. Everything that I'm talking about today begins on the inside. Not verbally. It begins on the inside. You know, one thing that I have realized in my walk with Christ, in my being a Christian, in being a pastor, in being a pastor's wife, one thing that I can, I, you know, I realize, and it is that people are not more advantaged one from another, smarter than one from another. You know, like, oh, wow, they really, they, they really, went, mm-mm. It's, it's not like one person God gives to make, get real good knowledge, and another person, they can't quite get it. God doesn't do that. Another, you know, another person's kind of denied it, and this other one has a great wealth of knowledge. No. You know what separates us most of the time is what's in our heart. That's what separates It's what's in our heart. What we've heard, listen, see, in your heart, see, whatever, what you've heard, because of your heart, you don't even understand it right. What separates us most often is what's in our hearts towards what you have heard. See, if your heart is not right, you will not do the work of restoration. 
Now, I'm not saying that you don't want to see people saved or you don't want to see people delivered. You don't want to, you know, I'm not saying that you don't want to rejoice when someone is doing better and doing good in life. But see, if my heart is not right, I want you, you, you won't be involved in all that that you see. People being delivered, people being healed. People, you know, their marriage is working. You won't be involved in it if your heart is right. You won't be involved. And you won't be involved with the work of restoration. You might be in this ministry, but if your heart is not right, God will not involve you in it. The, the work of restoration requires everybody to have a good heart, not two or three of us. I said the work of restoration requires everybody to have a part, have a good heart. If our heart is not right, God cannot use us. God, you know what God will do? He's done it in time past. He's done it now. And I've seen Him do it. I've seen Him do it in members at this church. If you don't want to do the way He's telling you to do it, if your heart is not right, you're going to do your own thing. He will bypass you and go to somebody else. He will do that. Know that. He will bypass you and go with someone else. Lord God is always looking for the heart of man. He's not looking for a skill set. He's not looking for a certain talent or ability. He's not looking for a certain educational status. He's not looking for any of those things. Economical achievements that you have. He's not looking for that. God is looking for the heart. I know it sounds simple to you because you let the world tell you that you need all of this to be somebody. But to be somebody in the kingdom of God, to get God's attention on you, you need a good heart. You could have a GED or never finish school. Have a good heart and love the Lord. And you'll have God's attention. It's the heart that God is looking at. Nothing else. The world looks at the other things. Oh, we need to get this. If our heart is not right, we will never be able to manifest the love of God. Oh, you can talk it. But the manifestation will not be there. See, this is not going to be the kind of... This, this series that I'm teaching is not going to be the type of series that you can point your hand at some finger at somebody else or look at somebody else and where they are. Not this series. This is where you're going to have to look at you. You're going to have to look at you. So don't try to look at nobody else. This is going to be an opportunity for each and every one of us to look on the inside of us. Because my purpose, I have a purpose. This is my purpose. Because my purpose is for us to focus our attention on the work. On the restoration. On the work that God is requiring us to do. I want us to focus our attention on that. And the only way we can do that is I have to have a good heart because I need God to use me so I can focus on the work. And in this series, when I talk about the work, I'm talking about the unseen work of preparation. The unseen work. See, because the, because the unseen work is unseen. This is, this is the thing about preparation and the unseen work. The thing about unseen work is you can lie like you're working. You know why? Because it's unseen. You can lie about the work. Because it's not nothing that everybody's going to see. <laughs> I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. Unseen work, you can lie about. Nobody can challenge you. Why? Because it's unseen. It's like a person to say, oh yeah, yeah, I'm eating right. Yeah, I'm eating right. That's because you never go to the refrigerator with them. It's unseen. Oh yes, yes, I'll take my medicine. I'll take my medicine. You'll be like, well, you know, uh, when? Like, oh, I'll take it before you come. Unseen. 
See, that's lying about doing the work. But you have no way of proving it. And a little, let me just go on and throw this in for the children. And you know, like children say, you'll be like, have you done your homework? Yeah, I did. You'll be like, no, you didn't win. Yeah, I did it before you got here. Oh, I did it in one of my homeroom classes and I left it in my locker. Unseen work. See, you can lie about the work. So it is in the church. Listen, I want us to focus on the work on the inside. On the inside. I'm not talking about your outside. I'm talking about on the inside. Focus on those things that can hinder the will of God and the work of God in every person in this room. In every person in this room. It will hinder you, including me, We must focus on the inside of what God wants us to do. I want us as a church to focus on the inside work. The inside work. Because I'm telling you, it's the inside things that can hinder you, that nobody sees, that will hinder the work of God, and the work of God cannot be hindered. You can't afford it. So we got to focus on it. And I want us to have an urgency about preparing our hearts. In other words, let our heart right now, even as I speak, let's focus on our heart conditions now. Everybody, we're going to focus on our heart condition. I'm not talking about that muscle in your body. Heart issue. I have a simple goal. My goal is to establish the will of God in you and in this church. When I say establish the will of God, I'm talking about being a people and a place that God can use to heal the hurting. To be a people and a place where God can use to heal the hurting. You know, not only... Us as individuals, they can come to it. They need to be able to come to a local church and get healed. Get delivered. Listen, we can't be the people and we can't be the place that God... We we can never be the place that God can use or the people that God can use to, to help the hurting if we have a bad heart. If you don't have a good heart, God said, I know how much you say you love me, and I know everything that you're talking about, but your heart is just not good. Your heart is not right. And I'm going to require more than just... Let let me tell you, in this church, God is requiring more than two or three of us to have a good heart. And see, a lot of times, people think you have a good heart because of what you show them, but God knows. <laughs> it's going to require all of us, every one of us having a good heart, having the right heart. It's going to require more than me as your pastor to have the right heart. It's required of me. We gotta think, we gotta, you gotta think further than saying, well, that person, you know, they work with people that have a little problem, so, you know, they have that kind of personality. No, no. You have to have a good heart. It's every one of us. God is challenging all of us this morning to make sure that we are people and this church is a place that God can use See, God needs a place like here, like our church in Round Rock, right where we are, a stone throw away from Austin. God said, I need you right there. God needs us right here in this area where he can send people that are hurting. And when they get here, he wants them to encounter people that have a good heart condition a right heart condition, to help them get healed of their hurts. 
Now, how is he going to do that if your heart is not right? If you haven't been healed? You know, God doesn't necessarily need us out there on the street. God is on the street. Sometimes God just needs us to be so, have such a good heart here. He's like, I'll, I'll, the people out on the street, I want to give them the address to get to you. Some, he's like, I just want to give them the address. But I can't send them to you if your heart's not right. I got to send them to another church where the people's hearts are right so they can get healed. Get this. Now, I didn't say we didn't need to go out witnessing. I'm making a point. God is saying, I need a place where people can go and be healed. So I have several objectives. Number one, you can write this down once or you can, however you want to do it. I want to prepare our hearts through teaching for number one, how to restore our hearts. You don't know how to restore your heart. Your heart is not good. And you need to know how to restore it. See, if your heart is not restored, you can't be involved in this restoration of another. How can you try to restore someone else when yours is not? Number two, how to change our hearts. How many of you know there are just something in our heart that just have to change? It has to. In order to do what God is calling you to do, it has to change. We have to change our hearts. Number three, we have to have a heart to obey. A heart to obey. You know, one of the things that I've learned, not everybody in church have a heart to obey. Oh, we all look good and we look like we got a heart to obey, but oh, I have learned over the years Everybody in church do not have the heart to obey. I'm not really sure if the majority of people in church have a heart to obey. I really, really, I mean, when I think on it, I'm not really sure that the majority of people really have the heart to obey. Number four, how to prepare our heart to minister. I want to do a teaching on how to prepare your heart to minister. You know, your heart has to be right to minister. You know that, right? Your heart has to be right to minister. Now, see, mostly people here at Church of the Living Water, because of, and those that have been here for any length of time, you have answers. We've taught on about every subject there is. You have the answers. But you don't know how to minister the answers. That's a heart issue. You have the answers, but you don't know how to minister it. You don't know how to give the answer to someone that's hurting. Oh, let me, no, no, let me, let me. You don't know how to give the answer to someone that is hurting so that they can receive it. So you might can give it, but if they don't receive it, it's nothing. So if your heart is not right, you might have the answer. And if you don't know how to minister it so that another can receive it, you just got the gift of gab there. You can talk a talk. See, you have, in these teachings, I'm going to prepare your heart so you'll know how to minister. Number five, how to have a heart to restore the loss. You cannot... Have a heart to restore the loss without having compassion. You must have compassion. You can't be hard-hearted. Number six, we, I want to teach you how to have a heart to restore my brother or my sister. Mm-mm-mm. Now that's a good one. Because this is another thing that I've learned in church. We are better sometimes at restoring the loss than we are our own brother and sister. Sad but true. When the Bible says if a brother is overtaken in a fault, you which you are spiritual, 
that we should, if they're overtaken in the fall, he said, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. It's very hard for a lot of believers to restore a brother or sister. I believe this. If we would just, if we could just restore the children who grew up in this church that are fallen along the way, listen. If we can, every, every, every young person that has fallen along the way, if we could restore them, just restore them back into where they need to be. Listen, they've been overtaken in a fault. They have been overtaken in a fault. If I believe if we can just restore just them in the spirit of meekness, this church will be set. For generations. I believe that. But I also believe and understand and have witnessed that the church have a hard time restoring our brothers and our sisters that have been overtaken in a fall. We have a very hard time with that. And it's simply because of your heart. It's simply because of your heart. Nothing else. It's your heart. Number seven, how, I want to teach you how to have a heart to be one. Hmm. And here's the thing, our hearts have to be right towards being one. Because when we are one, whoever you're one with, let me tell you, you we have to focus on that because being one is going to continually change for you. Somebody else will come in your life. Somebody else will come into this church. So it's a continual change. And what happens so often is, you know, um, we only want to be one with our certain set of people. <laughs> That's what we want to be one with. But we're not necessarily one with each other. The Bible says that God adds to the church daily as such as should be saved. So somebody's going to be added, added daily. Somebody's going to come here. Can you become one with them? So that means that I have to have a heart to become one with somebody uh, that I don't know. Like I know the, everybody else that's, that's sitting here. Somebody joins the church. If somebody joins the church, we need to take the time to meet them. If you don't take the time to meet them, you don't have the heart to become one. For that cause, when we have an all from this point on, we'll have altar calls so that everybody can know who joined the church. So that we can meet them. Because when you get alone, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, they belong to the church? I didn't even know. So we need, everybody needs to see. Because why? Because now I must become one with them. Why? Because evidently they wanted to become one with you. They joined. They had a heart to become one with us. But if they leave here without you meeting them, it says, I don't want to be one with you. So we need to make sure that that happens. But the Bible didn't say, listen, but the, this is the, understand, we need to go back to the Bible. The Bible didn't say to be one with who you know. The Bible said that we all might be one. We want to be one with the people we know. That means that I'm going to have to learn how not to judge people. <laughs> that will make you become one. See, you, because, let me tell you, you cannot judge people because you don't, you don't think that they fit. You define life. Nobody, everybody's not going to fit in how you define life. Everybody's not going to like what you like. Everybody's not going to do what you do. And it's okay. 
All of us have different personalities, different things we like. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, I like that. I'm not going to like something because you like it. And you still got to become one with me. You don't have to like nothing because I like it. I'm not going to go and do something because you did it. And I'm still one with you. Don't try to convince me to like something you like. I don't have to. Don't try to define my life after yours. I won't have it. None of you should have it. Say, that's your life. That's what you like. Because some people can look at you and say, oh, well, that ain't my style. That ain't what, ooh, Lord, no. And then, uh, but you still got to be one with them. Now go with me, if you will, to Matthew, chap- Matthew chapter 6. And subtitle this teaching, How to Restore My Heart. Let's just start there. How do I restore my heart? I cannot be prepared for God to use me at any time if my heart is not restored. In other words, if my heart is not healed, if my heart is not cleansed, if my heart is not guarded, I will not be prepared for God to use me to wall build. He cannot use me to restore others if I have not been restored on the inside myself. And one of the things in this church and the church universally is that we have a lot of people who have given their life to the Lord, but they have not done the hard work of internal restoration. See, you you confessed him. And you're saved. But now comes the hard work. Well, I've been saved a while. I don't care how long you've been saved. You haven't done this work. See, I don't want you to sit back with your chest stuck out like, well, okay, that, that that's for the ones that just got saved. No, this is for everybody in here. You haven't done the hard internal restoration. I believe in my heart that that's why the body of Christ as a whole is having a hard time witnessing. A hard time leading people to the Lord. Because it's hard to be involved in restoration restoration of somebody else when you're not restored yourself. You have stuff on the inside. And I think what has happened in church, and not everyone, not every individual, I'm not talking about everyone, but we have some, uh, some things going on in the hearts of people for so long, such, such a long time, that we have, you just haven't dealt with it. It's been going on, it's been, it's been festering in you. You've been saved, you come to church, you're tired, you do all of that, but you still have something going on in your heart, and it's been going on, you know, Sometimes things can go on so long you don't even realize that it's there anymore. I believe that. That's what has been happening. It's on the inside. And again, not everyone, but, and not every individual. But for some, there is a heart issue. And you can dress it up. You can perfume it up. You can can note-take it up. You can do all of that. You can join ministries. You can do all those things. But if the inside is not right, God is not going to be able to use you. See, on the outside, that looks good that you're in the ministries. It looks good that you come to prayer. It looks, all of that looks good, but only to people. God knows the heart. So that looks good. Everybody think you're holy. But God knows the heart. And he said, no, 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 no. It's been there so long you don't see it. Not a good heart. Not a right heart. Are you with me? This is why when I go... My, me personally, different things that I have even planned for this year and different things that I want to do. When I look around and I'll be like, okay, who can I get to do this? It's not that I have a shortage of people to get it. Now, who can I get to do it? Because, see, when I'm looking for someone to do something, who can I get to head up this ministry? Or who can I do to be the you know, heads in this? But I'm not looking for someone that's got the talent. 
Not necessarily the ability. I'm not looking for them to say, well, where did they graduate from first? And where did I'm not looking for any of that. I'm looking, what my struggle is, is getting people that I know have a heart. Because that's what I'm looking for. Well, let me see what kind of heart they have. Because walking around, it'll show you people's heart. See, my again, it's not saying, well, I, you know, we don't have enough people. No, we haven't. I, all of you in here, mostly everybody in here, we have very few visitors in here. I could get somebody to do something. But what, what the heart issue is what I'm looking at. Do they have a heart to do it? Do they have a heart to continue with it? So then it makes a struggle. It makes a struggle for me because I'm looking at the heart. I'm not looking at how long you've been here. I don't, I'm not looking at who you like or don't like. That doesn't mean a thing to me. So please, please stop telling me it doesn't matter. None of that means nothing to me. It shows me your heart. Because I'm going to treat everybody the same. And I'm not going to budge and treat anybody any way different because you don't care about them. Because that just shows me your heart. I will not do that. That's what I'm looking for. Everybody say, I need to look at your neighbor and say, it's a heart issue. I'm telling you, God will not be able to use you to restore others. You need to be restored first. That's why we're having such a hard time. We're having a hard time with every area, just witnessing, doing everything. It's a hard issue. I don't care how good you look, how good you smell. We all smell good. We all can put on makeup. We all can dress. We all can do all of that. But if your heart's not right, I don't want to struggle with that anymore. I want to be able to see that your heart is right. And I can use you to do it. Who can work in this ministry? Who can be the next ministry head in this? Again, I'm not looking for your skills. When your heart is right, you're an example. You're the stamp. You're the standard that people should be looking at. And it will show in your life. And it will be clear. And when you get to that place where your heart is right with God, you can easily, you you know what? This is the thing. When your heart is right, it can be clearly seen. I said it can be clearly seen. Others will see. When things are well on the inside. I can. God can clearly use you and others can clearly see that things are well on the inside. But when your heart is not right, things can be seen just as clearly. Just as clearly. Listen, church, we all, have to, we, we all have to look at the hard, unseen work of restoration. We all have to look at that. It's clearly seen. Now, here's the good news. We have the Holy Spirit to help our infirmities, our weaknesses, those things that prevent our heart to being right. He's teaching, and he's teaching us the will of God, and he'll remind us of how we ought to live and how what we ought to do. He will remind us of that. He will empower us to do it, to do the work. But here's the problem among believers. This is the problem. Even though the Holy Spirit will empower you to do all those things, we you still have to do the work. You do. Because remember this, the Holy Spirit is not a doer, He's a helper. So He's not going to do it for you. He's going to help you to do it, but you've got to do it. If I was you, I'd write, the, write that down. The Holy Spirit is not a doer. 
He said, so don't keep Holy Spirit help me. What you was really saying is Holy Spirit do it for me. Do it for me. Do it for me. He's not a doer. Check the scriptures. He's a helper. He's not a doer. He'll empower you to do the work, but he's not going to do it. So, if you have a heart is not good, you're, gonna, you're not going to be able to pray properly for your children. How do I know if I'm not praying properly for my children? How many do I know if I have a bad heart? Listen to me. Do you still have aught with your children because of faults they may have committed? Hmm. And I don't expect this to be no loud running around deal and none of that. I expect it to be quiet for the next ten weeks. And, 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 you know, sometimes it's good to be quiet. God told us that. So good. But now, do you have art against your children or your child that have been overtaken in a fault? Do you still have fault? Do you, are you still kind of edgy about that thing? Still kind of salty about that thing? I can't believe they did that. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a chance to check yourself. Maybe you say, mm, you might throw up a prayer, but I'm going to tell you, God is not really hearing you. If you still have art towards your children of how they brought your grandchildren in the world, you still a little edgy about that? I love him, but golly, really? A little edgy about that. Are you edgy about some choices that they've made? Just still a little, oh, you know, you talk to them and then you look at them and say, you dummy. You know, you you little edgy about that. <laughs> yeah, just laugh and nobody knows you. You just, you just look at him. But are you serious? I'm, I'm trying to let you look at a good heart. A right heart. That's what God is looking at. You are still a little edgy the way they conduct this. See, I can't stand it. I'm just, you're edgy about it. See, I, again... These are the hard things that we've been misdoing. These are the things that God said, you have to deal with it today. Today. Deal with it. Because why? The anointing is here to help you break the yoke. Not to do it, but to help you break the yoke in that area. If I was you, I wouldn't get up and walk out. Because, see, we can still be edgy about those things. We can still be messed up about those things, crossed about those things. Again, you may throw up a little prayer, but it's not right. If it's not right on the inside of you, listen, and you will not have the proper compassion, God's not hearing it. If I'm a grown child and you won't restore your relationship with your parents and you have all with them, your heart is not right. God is telling you today, your heart is all. Your heart. You do not have a good heart. I know you thought you did, but you do not have a good heart. Again, I am talking about inside, unseen stuff. I'm not talking about what everybody see on the outside and what you show everybody. I'm talking about God is showing what's on the inside that no one sees but you and God. Just you and God. Inside stuff. And if many of us are honest, there's some inside work that needs to be done. Let's be honest. Nobody can see it. And it's not readily apparent. We can't look at you and tell that. But guess what? It's hindering you. In essence, it's 
hindering us because you belong here and we walk as one. You want to know where our hindrance is? There it is. I'm talking about inside work. So how do we restore that? Three things. I'm going to give them to you. Listen, and then you're going to have to go home and do the work. Three things, and then I'm going to have to give them to you, and then you're going to have to go home and do the work. But you know what? If I had time, I'd give them to you, but I don't. I'm out of time, but God's not. That was the quickest of 59 minutes, right? Or 58 minutes. Really easy. That's enough. And if you're really interested and you really want to get your heart right, you'll come back. I love the way God does that. He always put, the, put it on the back end, the real juicy stuff. No, man, I don't want to go back. Don't. Keep that stony heart of yours. That's why you're working harder than you ever worked. That's why you can sit and watch your children just going up in fluff. Your life going up in fluff. Because you got the wrong heart. You got the wrong thing working. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.